Eric and I are part of the Sacramento uh, Young Adult Leaders group, and it's just an awesome uh, group of people that meet once a month. No, we meet every other month. I coordinate it, so it's a little troubling that I can't get that accurate. But we were there yesterday, <clears throat> and um, this guy comes up to me afterwards. I, didn't, I don't know him well. And he goes, hey, I, I want to go to uh, coffee with you. And I said, sure, I'll send out a contact list, and you can just call me. And um, he asked me something about Eric, and I said, oh, uh, Eric and I are really close. And he goes, I know. He said, it was really amazing just watching you guys to the end of the meeting today. It was Seth. And um, we, we have a certain synergy that makes our lives a lot of fun. So um, I, <clears throat> I have sinus drainage. And so I'm just going to say that up front. I feel fine. I just don't sound totally fine. So... <clears throat> I've been uh, contemplating a verse called, uh, in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it's now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I've probably read that verse all my life, and I've always thought that is such an airy verse. I mean, what does that even mean? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That does not make sense to me. <clears throat> But I never realized it didn't make sense until, I, until recently. And God has been um, in such a powerful way, literally just having me pull out all these things out of my life, you know, all the, um, Eric, all the things that Eric Waterbury does. He's been going, no, you don't need to meet with as many people. You need to sit yourself down and meet with yourself. And you need to start meeting with me more. And I was like, well, I thought I already did. And he's like, no, you actually don't. You don't even know what I'm thinking. And he wasn't chewing me out. It's just, if, if we don't sit with God and hear him talk to us about ourselves, we, we forget and we lose how precious we are. And so the things that I actually hope for and the things that I am sure of that I can't yet see are very small. And the Lord's just been showing me lately how small I've chosen to live. And I just want to share that journey a little bit with you and see if Maybe I can encourage you to jump out there and risk growth along with me. Um, one of my, I have three four-year-olds in my life, Scarlett, uh, Luna Faye, and Addie. And all three of them, they love princess stuff. And um, uh, Luna Faye did try to shave her head at the restaurant so she could be bold. I want to be bold like Uncle Eric. So she had a butter knife, and she, they recorded her and sent it to me. She was sh trying to shave her head. But every single one of them, if I go, and they're such beautiful little girls, you look so beautiful. Every one of them immediately will go, I know. 
It's just my favorite thing in the world. And um, the Holy Spirit lately has been talking to me about myself. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons I love Eric is because he asks a lot of questions. You don't always want to think about those questions. We have that in common. And so at the beginning of the year, he said, uh, what's one of the things that you want to see happen this year? And I said, I actually want to see myself like other people see me. Because when I look at myself, I don't see myself that way. And there he goes, you know, you are really kind of weird. He goes, most people see themselves up here, but everyone else sees them down here. And you see yourself down here, and other people see you up here. And I was like, I know, and I, wanna, I want that to change. And if you're sitting here tonight and you relate to I don't see myself, if you look at yourself the way I looked at myself at the beginning of the year, I just want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit and people around you who are good people some questions because he wants you to see yourself that way. And what he started doing with me, I, I was always somebody, um, I never looked ahead with anticipation for anything. I always was really careful not to look forward to anything. I developed that really early in my home. That way I could not be disappointed. Because my heart was really sensitive and I got so many disappointments I barely survived them really young. And so I decided I will not allow that to happen. And while that does keep you safe, it's a joyless existence. And you miss everything that really matters. And so the Holy Spirit began to kind of pull things apart from me. I never looked forward to vacations. I didn't look forward to Christmas. I didn't look forward to anything because I did not want to be hurt. I was molested when I was 12 by a family friend, and my parents took me to one of my dad's friends for counseling, not knowing that um, he was also a predator. And so the second time around with my counselor, I just kept it to myself because my parents freaked out so badly. Um, <clears throat> we had this prayer meeting, a family prayer meeting around a king-size bed, after the night my parents found out, and my parents are sobbing hysterically. And I'm like, wow, because I've always been very analytical. I'm like, wow, I wonder what's up. And then I realized it's because of what I told them that day. And I was like, it happened to me. And so I sat there and I thought, you know, from here on out, I'm just going to keep it to myself. So when my parents took me to my dad's friend and he turned out to be a predator, I kept it to myself. I kept it to myself until I was 35 years old. And, <clears throat> sorry, I got to blow my nose. <laughs> That's a mic drop, but it's not for anything cool. <laughs> and um, that was where I, I figured out, if I'm going to stay safe, it's up to me. 
And um, I kind of felt the same way about God. So I developed a lot of shame out of the things that happened to me. I made choices out of that that were really devastating to my life. And I was ashamed of me. And I, I worked through a lot of things, but I didn't realize that I was really, I felt a lot of shame about who I was. Not even the things I'd done, but who I was. And so <clears throat> the Holy Spirit started talking to me about that. When I said that thing to Eric, the Holy Spirit's like, really? You'd really like to know? And I was like, yes, I would. It's like, great, because I have answers. It took you a long time to ask your questions, and I hope a lot of you will ask questions earlier than I did. Uh, but he, he's been showing me answers, and he began to show me that even though I worked through a lot of the devastating things that happened um, growing up, that I still was ashamed of me. And when you're ashamed of yourself, you really, you're guarded, you're careful, you don't risk true relationship. In every situation, you're looking around the room to see what does everybody think about me. Which means you never really step into, you know, your DNA was put together very purposefully and intentionally by God. And he's so excited about all of us. He's waiting for you when someone tells you, Coleman, Coleman lives with me and he's hilarious. Coleman, you are hilarious. And he goes, I know. <laughs> or Julie Betancourt is very, very organized. Julie, you ran a great party. And she's like, I know. <laughs> you know, Nathaniel. Can, where are you, Nathaniel? Yeah, that Nathaniel. Can play drums like nobody's business. Oh my gosh, he played drums on beatbox at my house in worship and I didn't even want it to stop. It was so good. God's waiting for him. To, someone goes, when I say that, he goes, I know. That's how God wants you to look at yourself. So I just want to talk to you a little bit. I want to ask you, um, what are you afraid of stepping up for? What are you hiding out from? So you can't awaken a dream. And that is, I love that. I mean, I'm the type of person, you can tell me any heinous thing you've just done. And I'm like, well, while you're in prison, these are the things we're going to work on. <laughs> That's just how I'm put together. And part of it is my own past. I mean, you know. I got left for dead by the church a whole bunch of times, but there was always someone as idiotic as Knopf who would go, come on, get up, let's go. Who would you be if you chose to face your fears and just go for it? Many times what you're imagining in your head is false. So you stay stuck there because lies determine how you make choices. And you never know God's grace because God only gives grace for real situations. So you hide out 
in your lives and you think you're protecting yourself and you're killing yourself and you're pouring acid on your future. To learn the definition of God's grace, it's wise to understand the Greek and Hebrew words behind this term. A prominent Old Testament word describing God's grace is chesed. I'm making up these pronunciations. This word speaks of deliverance from enemies, affliction, or adversity. It also denotes enablement, daily guidance, forgiveness, and preservation. The New Testament word is cheris. It focuses on the provision of salvation. But in order for you to experience, can you put that back up? In order for you to experience any of those things, you have to bring who you are and your lies into, can you put the quote back up, Mike? You have to bring your lies into the sanctuary. Because you cannot have enablement, daily guidance, forgiveness, and preservation if you refuse to name your lies. you also will never know the depth of God's salvation. Will you be saved and go to heaven? Absolutely. But how many of you know miserable, miserable people? Miserable. They're all going to be in heaven. But we don't want to know them while they're down here because they are a pain. If, what if we lived our whole life without fear? Courage is living strategically without fear. Don't live in the hypothetical future where the worst possible situation might happen. Let me ask you, and I'm just going to ask you to think with me a little bit, honestly. Is there an area of your life that you're uncomfortable in right now? Are you reaching for something that seems bigger than you? Something so crazy you could really look stupid if it fails? If your answer is no, I want to ask you, why not? Why are you going to play it safe? You're young adults, but it won't be very many years before you'll be one of those boring Christians that ain't nobody following the church because nobody wants to be like them. <clears throat> Fear and lies keep us small in our own eyes. So we're always trying to puff ourselves up. We're always wor worrying about what we have on. I would never normally wear this because it feels too trendy to me. But I got this, I got at the LA Men's Retreat last weekend, which was a, it's a retreat my friend Chris Wolf leads, but it's a bunch of people from Hollywood and they're all half my age. <clears throat> so not only are they all half my age, but they're from LA. <laughs> and so they're totally cool. So when you walk in, my brain is like, I'm, I'm completely intimidated. But they have this amazing, I have never been in a group of people where everyone is friendly. And then the other thing I got last year, and it says valor. And I am so determined to make this sermon become real in my life that I've started wearing this every day. I don't care what it looks like. 
Sometimes I wear it inside my shirt, but I tried it today with this shirt and it looked stupid. <laughs> so it looked worse inside than outside. It sticks to my chest hair sometimes. So it pulls, it's uncomfortable. And that's why I'm wearing it. Because I am absolutely determined that this is gonna happen and it takes more courage than anything I've ever done in my life. And I am also going to be a man of valor. So I'm willing to look stupid and not cool for that. When you look at the Israelite spies who first went into the promised land, Ten came back with full of horror stories about huge giants and all kinds of danger and logical explanations why the promised land was a ripoff and God was a liar. Only two saw it as a land of milk and honey, and those are the only two who eventually helped possess that land. I want to tell you, this room is full. There is way more than the average number of young adults who are sharp, have done a lot of personal work, and you really see it when you go other places, have done a lot of personal work. There's a bunch of people in this room who've worked very hard on their lives, and they are totally going somewhere. But guys, we can actually take it even further. Normally, we wait until the end of the year. Mm -mm. 2016 is going to be a blow-up year for us. Absolutely. I feel it so strongly. And we are going to start preparing in November to lay the foundation for that. Um, show the first video if you could. This is a good picture of what trying to make that process is like, progress.
Remember Mike Horn who spoke here? He had that poster on his wall yesterday, and it said, uh, you have to go the distance. This is not a sprint. Life. And we can talk in here, but a lot of times when we're not in here, that's what it's like. When you make a commitment to actually go for who God created you to be, it's like that. That's what it feels like. Many times what you're imagining in your head is false. I keep saying this. So you stay stuck there because lies determine how you make choices. God gives grace for real situations. Fear-based decisions produce self-protection and shame-based behavior. So when you're in that ring and that's where you're coming from, you're taking a beat down every single day. Analysis and logic have to bend their knee to the voice of Daddy God or you will never achieve what your DNA was scrambled together for before you hit Earth as a human. The only way you will ever see the grace of God become real in your life is to start reaching for truth at an uncomfortable level. Many of us in this room are control freaks. We can totally relate with Jennifer. <clears throat> but you cannot control your way into your destiny. The more that I become like Scarlet, and if I like tutus, I wear my tutu. <laughs> I have my crown, and I feel dressed up when I go out the front door. The more that I am who I was created to be, the more I take my courage and I head towards valor, I become more childlike. I'm not worried about what y'all are thinking because I know what I'm up to. Because I start being like a little kid and I get up in the morning and God goes, you look good bald. And I'm like, I know. I love your intensity. It's one of my favorite things about you. I know. You are a catalytic personality. I created you that way. I know. Every one of those things, I've had things spoken over me that were negative. <clears throat> but you have to get down to figure out what is a lie? I want to read you out of Exodus 1, 15 through 21. I love this story. <clears throat> it's about uh, two midwives. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, 
Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are so vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Because the midwives believed God and valued his direction over Pharaoh, the people increased, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of the, their own. They chose to live within their God-given identity over the direction that they got as slaves. You're going to have to do the same thing. What's God telling you about yourself? What are men and women who are mature in the Lord? What are they telling you about yourself? You're going to have to set aside things that have been spoken over you because... I had a lot of word curses spoken over my life, a whole ton of them. And my personality kind of begs people to speak word curses sometimes. <laughs> and uh, there just came a point where I had to choose to set those aside and to break those off my own life, to believe God for myself. When we come into the kingdom of God, we have to very intentionally choose to be uncomfortable, to define our life choices through a new paradigm. So I guess I would ask you tonight, what are you intentionally choosing to do that feels uncomfortable, that's promoting your spiritual maturity? It's your responsibility, yours and yours alone to mature. No one's going to do that for you. Bummer. When we learn to develop a true relationship with God as a son or a daughter, we begin to make choices that come out of that identity, which we start transforming into. And our prayers start meaning something because we start praying to a Father in heaven who becomes real to us. I, at the LA Men's Retreat, this guy came and spoke. He said he was ex-CIA. I think he's still CIA. But he lives in Muslim countries, completely separated from the military, embedded in the cities themselves with his wife and children. And the stories that he told and the significance of being able to hear the voice of God and accurately follow through on what God told him in the timing that was correct determined whether his wife and children and himself lived. They would send their two little boys to school and they would put him in the car at, I think, 7.30, and they wouldn't know for 45 minutes if they were alive until they got to school because they drove across the city. Then at 3 o'clock, they would call and say, we're coming home now. And they wouldn't know if they were alive until they got home. I bet we'd all learn to hear the voice of God, huh? <laughs> he told about amazing, I mean, just literally amazing things. And I sat and cried as he spoke the first night 
because guys, like, I don't want my life not to have counted for something. And as the Holy Spirit's been walking me through the things that I need to know about myself and showing me things that I need to have the courage and the bravery to change and to face. I want to be that guy. I'm planning on living another 40 years. I just turned 60 a couple of weeks ago, and I, I plan to live until I'm 100. I actually called my sister. She's a little overweight, and I said, how's your diet going? And she goes, I think it's going pretty good. I say, good, because I'm living to be 100, and you're dying after me, so get on it. You need to be skinny. I want you to be healthy. Joseph, with a coat of many colors, was trafficked in the Bible. And he took over the country into which he was sold as a slave, eventually running it. You can read that story in Genesis 37. Daniel and the three Hebrew children were taken as captives into a hostile country. And they ended up ruling the whole country. Why? Because they knew who they were. They had a, they had a national identity. My, uh, one of my favorite workout partners happened to be black. We would go in the gym, and we'd walk by another black guy. And they'd both nod. The guy would ignore me. <laughs> and so we'd walk on by... And I go, did you know him? No. And he and I, we had a hilarious relationship. And I would go, racist. Like that. <laughs> he asked me one day if another one of our friends who was black could work out with us. And I said, no. And he goes, why not? And I said, because we have way too many racial jokes. And this guy happened to have a hair trigger. But... It's the very same thing. As believers, we need to know who we are. And every, you need to be on, in the pursuit of who are you. A whole bunch of us have been through Christ's life, but I can tell you, the Holy Spirit's been pointing out things to me that I never got in Christ's life. Because he wants us to be so fearless he wants us to develop just this thing on the inside that we know who we are. And when life keeps pressing us and pressing us and pressing us, we just keep shoving forward. And we are not weak. We are not red cup Christians. That's all I'll say about that. It doesn't matter what circumstances you find yourself in today. Make the choices of a transformed person. When we talk about transformation, it's what do you know so far? You don't have to be some superhero in the kingdom. Just do the things you know so far. Because when you do those things, I have adopted sons and daughters, not uh, biological, but spiritual sons and daughters. And this year, the Holy Spirit was like, stop paying some of them attention. I'm like, why? And if I haven't met with you and you're in the room, it, doesn't have anything to do with this, most likely. But <clears throat> the Holy Spirit was like, stop doing that. And I'm like, why? He goes, they ain't doing nothing with what you're showing them. I was like, why? That seems a little mean. 
That seems a little judgmental. No, it's not. If you have any little, friend, little kids, you can't give them a, a toy. You can't give a four-year-old a toy for a six-year-old if she doesn't have the maturity to know how to play with that toy. And the Holy Spirit's like, and that's why you need to be with me because I can't give you the things I want you to take because you're not paying attention to your own stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, what would you like for me to know? And then he started telling me all kinds of stuff. I've had this uh, nonprofit, and he was like, about your nonprofit, do you realize how much shame affects the fact that you keep continually busy seeing people and you don't work on your nonprofit? I'm like, no, why? Because you're comfortable seeing people. Working on your nonprofit is about you stepping into more fully what I've created you for in the kingdom. It's drawing attention to myself. I've never been comfortable with that. My birthday party this year was the most fun birthday party I've ever had. Because usually I'm like eat up with anxiety over oh, what if I forgot to invite somebody, somebody's going to be mad. I just want to leave town on my birthday. And this year I was like, I'm having a party. Because the Holy Spirit has shown me enough of these things. I'm like, I'm a pretty good guy. Let's go have my party. I've never been able to say that. The Hebrew midwives, through their choices of obedience, probably one baby at a time, seemed like no big deal. But in time, they actually delivered their deliverer. Because they're the ones who delivered Moses. A lot of the little choices that are really annoying and irritating. It's like time investment, planning my time. Why would I do that? I just want to go do fun stuff. Why would I intentionally do Circles of Covenant? Why would I update it? I'm busy. Because if you'll do those things, eventually... Your, your deliverance will come out of those things. Moses was one of the babies that they delivered. And eventually, Moses led the whole nation out of Egypt. I want to encourage you, have the courage to ask Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do to be a more authentic believer? And then do it. Be unafraid to risk change. The deepest transformation comes out of those times when you're face-to-face -face with God, listening to the secrets he desires to tell you alone. You can't go where God wants you to go, carrying everything from the past. And no one can unpack your suitcase for you. You gotta, you gotta clean out your own baggage. People can help you. They'll stand next to you. Honestly, I did not get a word until 4 o'clock today. I was freaking out.
Eric and I walked to the pickup together yesterday, and he was praying over me. He goes, I'm not even worried about it. Some of the best sermons I've heard you preach were the stuff you said, I got this an hour ago. I said, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I called my intercessors. I got a level of breakthrough. I called my sister and my brother-in-law. They called me. And my brother-in-law prays this really simple prayer. The minute he was done praying it, I got both of the videos, and all this stuff started just flowing out. I can't do it alone, but I'm the guy who had to sit down and type it. Same thing for you. If you suck at community, and you always have some reason why you got to go be by yourself, one of my biggest things that I'm, I'm unlearning, and it's about to kill me, is when I'm really screwed up in my head, I have to call Eric and Chad. Chad's the other guy that Chad pastors me. And I'm not used to that. I don't like it. Because they'll ask me what's wrong, and I don't know what to say. If I knew, I wouldn't be here. So stop asking me your stupid questions. <laughs> don't you think I'd be delightful to a disciple? This year, at a whole new level, the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about my identity. Last year, I really realized, wow, I'm 60 years old. I don't want to live alone. I enjoy living with Shaddy and Coleman, but I want to live with a roommate I can live with for the rest of my life. We've worked really hard on our relationship, and we have a lot of fun in our house now. But we worked really hard on those relationships. The next one I work on, I'd like for it to be with somebody who'll stick around for a while. The Holy Spirit's like, great. Let's talk about you being a husband. What would you have to change? And he started telling me, and I was like, oh, my God. You're serious? And he's like, that's me, and yes, I am. I had a heating and air conditioning issue in my house. I had four people come and look at it. Nobody wanted to work on it. And finally, Dr. Del Tar is my spiritual father. And he goes, hey, I think I have somebody to do that. And the guy comes over on a Saturday and he goes, yeah, I can do that. I, I literally, I wouldn't look at it. I spent about a year just agonizing over this stupid heating and air conditioner. When I finally faced it and talked to my dad about it, he gave me a name and the guy comes in and looks at it. He goes, that'll be $23,000. He goes, do you have any money? I go, nope. So I sent out a text on Saturday to my intercessors. Sunday morning I'm in church, and I get a text. I'll put $25,000 in your account tomorrow. Blew me away. Blew me away. And the lesson for that from me and for you is start calling the people in to look at the heating and air conditioner. <laughs> what are you trying to avoid looking at? Do you hate the way you look? Well, is there something you can change about it? Do you not like your job? Are you applying for other jobs? Do you feel immature as a believer? Are you going to a small group? Because if you'll just, all the Holy Spirit was like, all you had to do was just do what I told you to do. I had to do it five times. 
because five, five people, four people came in and go, the last guy was like, Eric, you're a nice guy. I don't want this job. I'm actually starting to see myself the way my friends see me. And I've waited a really long time to get started on that. I just want to encourage you, if you're in here tonight, don't wait. Don't wait. God loves you so much. And there are dreams inside of you that are worth going after, but you can't go after them until you know how wonderful you are. I want to play the last video. God has new glasses he wants to put on you. It's a little awkward getting them on. Sometimes you feel like Rocky, trying to get your glasses on. But he wants to give you new lenses for your glasses. My question to you tonight, and I'm closing with this, is how close to 2020 vision are you willing to live? <laughs> 